I'm thankful that you're here today. Uh, you know, I, um, I grew up in Moore, Oklahoma, and where all the tornadoes come through. So, um, and I, I was, um, grew up there my whole life on land. My family got in the land run, so it was kind of fun to grow up in that. I think I had, uh, I don't know if we were boomers or sooners, knowing my family, I think we had people on both sides of that piece of history there. But, um, um, but you know, when I was growing up, I, I had some, I was grateful for my upbringing. I, I was grateful uh, for the people that were in my life. Um, I played basketball for more my, my, uh, as a, in high school. And, and one of my, my, my basketball coach was a, was a leader at First Baptist Moore and was a really good guy. And, and, um, and, and I'm grateful for those people in my life that taught me some tough lessons. Um, have, you, have you had those people in your life that, that taught you some tough things? Well, Coach Dudley, uh, one day, um, we were in basketball practice, and, and I was a senior, and I was one of three seniors on my basketball team, and, and I was a leader. I was leading my team in prayer every, before every game. I, I was really wanting to walk with the Lord at that time in my life, and I want to walk with him today too, but, but uh, back then I was, I was really growing in my walk. And, and uh, one day at practice, we, we, were, um, we had to do this, this drill where uh, it was the end of practice, it was over, and he said, okay, before you leave, you have, to sh- you have to make five free throws in a row. And if you miss one, you got to run. And, uh, and I was tired and, and uh, you know, it was just like a normal practice day. And so, so we're all at all different goals. I mean, our whole team's out there. So there's like, I don't know how many goals there were, quite a few. But, but um, I was at my goal and, and, I, and I shot and I missed. And I looked around. And I didn't want to run. I was tired. And, and I looked around. And I thought, I'm just going to not run. And I shot again. And, 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 and all of a sudden, Coach Dudley blew his whistle, screamed at everybody on the line, everybody on the line, which has got to be a fun thing to do if you're a coach to say that. And um, so for 15 minutes, our team, entire team, had to just run. And, and it was my fault. Now, he didn't throw me under the bus in front of everybody, but he did pull me aside after that. And he said, he said, let me tell you something. I saw you. You're a senior. You're a leader on this team. You're, you're a spiritual leader on this team. You're better than that. Go home. Ouch. Ouch. And then, then that, that next Friday... Um, it was, we played Midwest City, and uh, my aunt and uncle came to the game. First, the only game they ever came to. And I sat the bench the entire game. Ouch. That was a bummer. But you know what? I'm so glad I went through that. I'm so thankful for Coach Dudley. Because he was a man in my life that looked at me and said, Chris, you're better than that. You know, Philippians chapter 1 is this incredible book, of, or Philippians is an incredible book. And, and Paul is writing it, and he's, he's in prison, and he's gone through this series of difficult circumstances that, that are unjust, and, he's, and, he's, and he, it's, it's difficult for him. And, and he, you know, if anybody could have said, why, why is all this happening to me? It could have been Paul. Because he was, uh, he had gone through a shipwreck. He had been bitten by a snake, which would be terrifying for me. He he was uh, uh, 
you know, beaten and, and, and it was crazy. But yet he was writing this letter to the Philippians that's incredibly encouraging. Now, how do you do that? He, he writes this letter that, that is filled with, let's rejoice in what God has done. Because he said, look, the gospel is, being advance, is advancing through my suffering. Which is what happens when, a lot of times when we go through suffering, is God uses it. Now, the book of Philippians is one of the major lessons that we get is that God is faithful through tough times. But, but you know, there's another lesson that I think is very important for us to understand as Paul writes the book of Philippians, and it's this, how we live matters. The, the way we live matters, and, and, in, and in some ways, if, if I can, uh, I want to relive that moment for us, um, <laughs> for all of us spiritually, that, that the Lord is, is, I believe, saying to us, look, you're, you're, do you know who you are? You're, you're better than this. Because maybe, can I ask you this question that I'm asking of myself, and I want to ask of us, is, is the way we're living, does it really reflect Christ and what he's done for us? I mean, think about this. If, if you're here today and you're a believer, your sins have been washed away. You are forgiven by God. And, 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 and you know, the reality is that can't help but reflect the way we live, right? Philippians 1.27 is, is really helping us embrace this challenge that, that being a Christian, being a follower of Christ is much bigger than our talk. But being a Christian should be reflected in the way that we walk. So would you stand together and let's read Philippians chapter 1. And we're just going to look at verse 27 today. One verse. He says this, Paul writes, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, we, we just, last week, if you were with us, we, we under, unpacked this passage of, of that Paul was saying that my suffering is, is advancing the gospel, that, that um, God is at work through these difficult circumstances. And then he, then he hits verse 27, and he's writing to the church of Philippi, challenging them with this reality of suffering, that, that look, God, is, God sees you, he helps you, he leads you. But then verse 27 is so incredible. It's such a beautiful challenge, such an important reality for us. Now, now look at the first part of verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's, let's, let's hear that. Allow your manner of life, the way you live, be worthy of the gospel. Now, now, like Chad said very articulately this morning, that, that we don't work for our salvation. That, that there's, never a, there's never going to be anyone in the history of the world that will be able to be good enough to earn their salvation. 
Billy Graham was an incredible man that did a lot of great things. He did not earn his salvation. He did not do those things to earn his way to heaven, but he was so motivated at at what Christ had done in his life that it moved him to say, God, I'm going to live worthy of the gospel. Now, um, you know, the truth is that one of the things that brings pain and hurt into our lives is when we live beneath our calling. You know, there are times, all of us, I I think back about that moment that Coach Dudley looked at me and said, Chris, not only as a senior on this team, as a Christian, you ought to be working harder than everybody else. You're better than that. He was right. You know, there are times that we slip into disobedience, that we, we rebel against God or we maybe are, are like lacking discipline in our lives. And you know what? We need somebody to get in our lives and say, come on, man, you're better than that. You know, it's, it's interesting. Point number one, I want us to see today in this passage that we must live up to our calling. And, and can, can, we, can we move to that in our lives? Can we... Can we Can we understand the calling that God has given us, the the calling of the gospel? You know, none of us are going to be perfect. None of us will be sinless. We're all going to mess up daily. But but the reality is we are called to, to live worthy of the gospel. The way we live matters. You know, I I love that. And look at verse 27. You know, let your manner be worthy of the gospel. Conduct yourself. Maybe your version says, conduct yourselves as worthy of the gospel. That means to perform as, as, as citizens, as, as, as um, dutiful, as, as appropriate, as, as good representative or citizens of the calling of God, of the kingdom of God. Do you know what, the, you know what Peter said about us? God used Peter, and he, he writes in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Look at this, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And see, when I look at God's word and I, and I, and I recognize who we are in Christ, that, that, that we, are a, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are a people that belong to God. And, and I, I pray that we are those that, that, God, we will declare your praises. We'll, we'll, we'll be one that live out your praises. And this is this calling and, and this, you know, when I, when I think about this, and I think about um, what it means to be a Christian in our, in our world, you know, there's a couple of things that I, that I think that are marks of a believer. Inte- integrity is intentional. 
Like if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to live with integrity. This is a, we're moved to live with integrity. What is integrity? It's, it's doing what's right when no one is looking. And, and that's what integrity is, that, that, that we should be in our, in our work, the, the most faithful, the, the most honest employees, the one that is, is counted on by our bosses to do what's right, that our, our yes would be yes and our no will mean no. And, and we are these people that pay our bills and that, that, that are responsible with our conduct. You know, this is what it means. Proverbs 10.9 says, the man of integrity walks securely. And when I think about uh, as a follower of Christ, we're moved to integrity. We're moved to honesty, to dependability. And what this does, it it produces stability. This is why as as Christians, we should be the most influential. I don't don't believe uh, that, that you can be a Christian without being a leader. All of us that that bear the name of Christ are called to lead others. We're called to set the example. And this is what Paul is saying. Let your life conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. You know, when I think about how do you do this, how do we live this life that's worth following? I mean, that's essentially what what Paul is saying. Hey, live this life that, that a lost world would follow you. That, un- that unbelievers would go, look, I need what you have. Um, you know, when you walk with Jesus and, and when, you, when you're really living this up to our calling, purity is going to be a pursuit of us. And, and this is why, you know, I'm so grateful this week, about Thursday night, Cody Bobe came to speak to a, a group of our men. And, and man, it was so good. His challenge to, to be pure and to, and to guard your mind and to, and to discipline ourselves and to get rid of this pornography challenges that, that men face. And, and, and you know, the, the bottom line is we need to pursue purity. This is what it looks like to live worthy of the gospel, that, Lord, we're going to turn away from those things that hinder us and turn to you. I love 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4, that says this, it's God's will that you're to be sanctified, that you're to avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that's holy and honorable. See, we've we got to learn to do this. And see, when you follow Jesus, when you're living worthy of the gospel, we turn to those things intentionally. You know, when I, when I think about living a life that's worth following, worth following you in, in a life that is worthy of the gospel, a life that lives up to our calling, discipline is a determination. That we're disciplined, and we should, and this is why we, we, we try as a, like every time we come together and worship, we, we discipline ourselves to look at the Word of God. This is why we're, uh, you know, we, we should strive to discipline ourselves, not, not to earn God's love, but because He's loved us. I want to I honor the Lord. I want to honor, honor Christ in, in the way that I live, and, 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 and you know, the way that we, um, the way we eat, Ouch! That hurts today, right? the the way we uh, the way we think we're we're we're, gonna, we're marked by by disciplines, spiritual disciplines. You know you know what's cool about this, and this is what I want you to understand as a believer that when you come to Christ, and the Holy Spirit enters your life, God doesn't just say go work hard. Do you know what He does? He helps you every step of the way. 
What I love about the Lord and what I love about following him is not only does he say, look, live a holy life, but now I'm going to help you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to strengthen you. That, that um, God helps us every step of the way in this pursuit. I love Jude 24. Jude is just one chapter. Jude 24 is one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures. It says, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. And do you know what I love about, and this is a great lesson in Philippians because we see Paul going through suffering and what does God do every step of the way? He keeps him from falling. We look at this challenge that he says to the, 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 the church at Philippi, live in such a, live worthy of the gospel. And what does God do? He helps us the whole way. Now, now real quickly, can I just give you some practical steps? Some practical things you can do to, to live up to our calling. And I pray that we do this, that, that we, we recognize this, that we, number one, we listen to conviction. You know, you know when we come to church, and, and I, I do it all, this happens all the time to me, that, that, and, and often when, when I'm preaching, there have been times that I've been preaching going, man, I, I got to live this. I need to work on this. So, so I want you to understand, when I get up to preach, I'm not talking at you. We're sitting together, and the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. And, and, and anytime you, you know you're studying the word correctly, when you're looking at it and listening, and the Holy Spirit convicts you. And sometimes in America, it's funny, because we want to push conviction away. Oh, we don't need to be, con I don't want to be convicted. It makes me uncomfortable. Well, shoot, we should be uncomfortable. I mean, if you, if you go to church and you're never uncomfortable, you're at the wrong church. Because you cannot open God's word and not hear conviction. If, if, you, if you can, something's wrong. And, and so, see, because God's molding you and shaping you like a, like the Old Testament says, the potter is shaping the clay. It's not always easy. But I, but I love this, that, that, that listen to conviction. The Lord, Hebrews 12, 6, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That, that God's discipline is a good thing for us. You know, an, another step to living up to your calling, grow spiritually. We gotta grow. We gotta grow up in our faith and we gotta learn um, to, to grow as Christians. I mean, 1 Peter chapter 1, 2 um, Two, one through three says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. And so for us to be um, people that are, that are pushing one another to grow spiritually, that's what I loved about Thursday night with these men coming together, that, that we're going to push one another and, and without apology challenge one another. Let's grow spiritually. Let's trust the Lord. And that's why we got to be in life together. And, and I don't want you to just come in here and look at the back of someone's head. We've got to be in groups, and that's why we work so hard at, at getting people in groups and life together because you got to have people in your life that are pushing you to grow up spiritually. You know what's amazing about that? No matter how old you get, no matter how much you learn, God is so big. 
and so amazing that you'll never grasp all of him on this side of eternity. We've got to grow up spiritually. You know, if we're going to live up to our calling, we've got to welcome the testing. And this is important. If we're going to live up to this, we've got to welcome testing in our life. I mean, we're in a battle. Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 13 says that, that finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The reality is we are in a spiritual battle. And, 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 and this is important for us to recognize that, that, that we should, it's, it's work, it's, it's, it's striving to live up to the calling. That's why Paul said, I, I want to I challenge you to, to, to live up to the calling. You know, welcome the testing. The fourth thing, if you're going to live up to our calling, never give up. And we, we can't give up in our faith. We're, we're called to, uh, the, the, you know, live up to our calling, and we can't quit. And, and there are times that we've all felt that tempta- temptation to quit. I mean, I remember when I was in college, and, and I was, you know, my, my, my neighbor from Tulsa, he was the big basketball recruit in college, and I was the tennis recruit, and we were living next door to each other, and he was partying it up and having a blast, here I'm, stri- I'm trying to walk with the Lord. I'm having my quiet time, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the Word, and my life stunk at that time. My girlfriend broke up with me. I got beat up. It was awesome. I was making straight C's in college. Didn't make one B. That's what I told my, my daughter when she went to college. I didn't make one B my freshman year. I made straight C's all the way across. And, um, you know, college was hard for me, but... Um, but, you know, I remember reading the word one day thinking, I think I'm going to bail on this. And I was in my Bible, and I just happened to be in Psalm 37, where, the, where God said, don't fret because of evildoers. And essentially, Psalm 37 is, don't, get up, don't quit, don't give up. And I'm so grateful I said, okay, I'm not going to quit. One of the best decisions I ever made. So you may be here today, and you're like, man, my life stinks. It's not working. Don't quit. You know, let's look back at verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, so whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you're standing firm in one spirit. Now, you've got to recognize Paul is writing to the church He's writing to this group of people that, that he, he led to Christ. I mean, he, the, the jailer in, the, in, the, in, in jail that, that came to Christ was from Philippi. Lydia was from Philippi. This girl that, that he was, a, was a, uh, like predicting the future and all these things, he led to Christ, and she didn't do that anymore. And, and so all these people had now been faithful, and they're serving the Lord. And, and he's challenging them, live worthy of the gospel, Pay attention to the way you live. But also he says, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you're standing firm in one spirit. And, and let's hear this as a church. To live worthy of the gospel, point number two is this, we must be passionate about unity. Like when I look at our church, we've got to be unified. That's what Paul's saying to the church. Come together, be unified together, love one another. 
And when I think about this call for us as, as, we, as we understand the book of Philippians, understand this letter to a church that's called to together to share the gospel with a city and, and a world. That's us. We're, we're a, a church in Owasso and, and Tulsa, and, and we're charged to share the gospel with the world. And what, is, what does Paul say to us? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us? Pay attention to the way we live, but also love one another. Be unified in your mission. And, and so what does that look like? How do we how do, we do this? Well, we're, we're patient with one another, and we got to be patient with one another, one another. You know, I'm so grateful for you. I mean, golly, you, you guys, you, you, you allowed me to come be your pastor. And I'd never done it before. I'd never been a senior pastor before, and I'm grateful for your patience with me to allow me to grow into this position. You know, the reality was I believe God called me here. But I had some growing to do. I mean, you remember the first day? If you were here the first day I, I was here, I was so nervous. I scratched my leg on the front pew and accidentally tucked my pants into my sock. And my wife is sitting right there, and after the sermon, I thought she was going to come and say, oh, great job, honey. And she goes, oh, your pants are in your sock. <laughs> I was like, super. Rhonda almost put on the back screen, check your pants, and I'm so glad she didn't, because I'd have looked at my zipper, and I was so scared. But, but you know what? As a church... We're patient with one another. And we gotta be. We gotta let one another grow. We gotta love one another through our failures and mistakes and oddities and all those things. We're, 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 we're patient with one another. We forgive one another. You know, that's, that's that call. To, you know, there are times, that's what family is. I mean, I mean we're, we're a family. We're not a business. We're a family. Have you ever been mad at your family? Yes. I mean, I remember my wife going when we were early in marriage, I'm married to you. Oh my goodness. I'm stuck. She literally said that. And she was, because I told her, if you're if you leave, I'm coming with you. Wherever. So so, but, but, you know, we, we forgive one another. That's what unity is like. And, and that's what Paul is saying. Look, I, I pray that, that I hear that you're standing firm in one spirit. Forgive one another. We, we, we settle our conflicts quickly. That's what it looks like. We, we're, when, we, when we frustrate one another, let's settle it. Let's, let's fix it. Let's, let's, let's not let... The sun go down on our wrath. Let's settle conflicts quickly. I think of all through Paul's writings, he writes in Ephesians, my life verse, Ephesians 4.1, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Paul goes on to write, he says, he says with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love. 
that that's what we're called to do, bear with one another in love, eager to maintain unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Because as we are unified, you know what a lost world looks at us and goes, wow, how can you be so different but yet love each other in spite of it? See, where Paul is saying, man, be passionate about unity. Look at verse 27, look back at it. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, look at this, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So the third thing that we see Paul saying to us See, God saying to the Philippians, saying to this church that is called to, 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 to make a difference where they were planted. And, and see, this is why I believe in the local church. We are planted here. We are called here. And, and so as we live out our calling, point number three is this, we strive to share the gospel. We strive to communicate our faith in Christ. We, we strive to tell the world there's a Savior. And, and even though I'm, I make mistakes, even though I've fallen, even though I have struggles, there's a Savior that rescued us. And that's the message of, of the gospel. And, and you know what? Today it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's important for us to come face to face with the way that we're living. Are we living up to our calling? I I love the quote by Brennan Manning. It says this, "The, the, the greatest single cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips but deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. As a, as a Christian, can I, can I encourage us that we position ourselves to trust the Lord? You know what? When you position yourself to live by faith, this is when following Christ becomes the greatest adventure you will ever know. Those people that that just give lip service to Christianity, you know what that produces? Boredom. It produces children who don't have a hunger for the Lord. It produces a, a generation that doubts anything we say. But when we position ourselves to trust the Lord and we learn to live by faith and we learn to get out of our comfort zone, like like our gospel challenge that we've issued that's a year-long challenge for us, that we would share the gospel with as many people as our age. When I say that, some of you are like, ain't no way I'm doing that. No way can I do that. I'll, I'll tell you what, it blows my mind. I've been praying about that and it's ridiculous the number, the, the, the opportunities I've had. Okay, I, I don't want to, I was talking to our, Brenda, one of our secretaries this week, or a couple weeks ago. And she's like, well, 
How far are you on your 45, 46 this year? I'm finished. I'm not finished. I'm going to keep going. But I've already hit my 46. Because I've just said, God, open door, show me. And and you know what? I, I keep seeing people I haven't shared with yet that I need to. The bottom line is when, when you take these steps of faith that, God, I'm going to be out of my comfort zone. Do you know that, that for pastors, it's out of our comfort zone to share the gospel just like you? You might go, no. Yeah, it is. Can, can I tell you something I, that God said to me this week? I had to go to the funeral of a friend this week that died of, of stomach cancer. And he's a pastor at First Southern Dell City. And, and, and can I just tell you, I mean, Shane walked with the Lord. Man, Shane was a great pastor. But I can't not help but sit at his funeral and go, what's mine going to be like as a pastor? First time I ever saw a pastor preach his own funeral. Probably not going to do that. But, but it was awesome. Shane, they played a clip of Shane, 35-minute message of Shane preaching his own service. It was great. But as I was sitting there, God spoke to me. You know, as a pastor, I could spend every day of my life around believers and never have unbelievers in my life. I'm jealous of you that get to go to work and hang out with lost people at work. And you know what I I thought? Um as I was praying and praying about Shane and just sitting there in that service, you know, if, if, if lost people don't come to my funeral, I think that will be a failure for me. If I'm not in the lives of lost people so closely that they would not attend my service, I will have failed as a pastor. Let me tell you something, I'm not going to fail at that. I will, I will not. Paul challenges us to strive to communicate the gospel. And, and I pray we, we hear this. We've got to learn how to communicate the salvation message. Can I challenge you to learn? You know we're starting a class Wednesday night. Utilizing the three circles as a way to share the gospel. You ought to come. We have no excuse to not learn to share the gospel. Every Sunday school teacher in the life of our church, we ought to make sure everyone in our class knows how to share the gospel. Paul's life, that's what it looks like to strive to communicate the gospel. And, and here's the thing. If you start asking God to help you share the gospel... He'll open doors for you. You don't have to know all the answers. But what's amazing is that God will equip you every step of the way. You know, um, one of my accountability partners, uh, a guy named Jason Gilbo, he used to, uh, we don't, we were accountability partners for several years when we were in Oklahoma City. He was a youth pastor and we would get together every week. And Jason is the funniest guy I've ever met. He's just so crazy. He's got some funny stories and 
funniest guy I've ever met. Um, he posted a, a picture <clears throat> on Facebook this week of he, Billy Graham, and Barry Switzer. <clears throat> Jason, Jason's dad was a childhood friend of Barry Switzer. They played football together at Arkansas, and they were just lifelong friends. And so when Jason was at OU, one day, Barry Switzer called him and said, get up, uh, Billy Graham wants to meet me, uh, and so you got to drive me. And so <clears throat> Jason posted that picture this week and told, uh, told that story about uh, um, his meeting with Billy Graham alongside of Barry Switzer, and, and, and Barry Switzer came in, and, and they were sitting around the hotel room, and, and they were talking football, and they, uh, uh, they were, uh, it was kind of funny because Billy Graham said, hey, I ran into one of your quarterbacks, Joe Namath, and Barry Switzer looked at him, and he said a cuss word and said, uh, um, that was not, that was from Bear Bryant, he didn't play for me, and so he cussed in front of Billy Graham, which is, was kind of funny to me, um, but um, <laughs> But then he, um, they talked football, and Billy Graham said to Barry Switzer, he said, Coach Switzer, I want you to bring a lot of your players to hear me preach tonight. And Coach Switzer said, okay, and he did. He brought a lot of players. And then Jason said what Billy Graham said to him and Barry Switzer. And I want to read it because I wrote it down because I wanted to get it right. I want to remember this. Billy Graham's last words to them were this. Men, if your life continues on its current path and direction, where does it take you in the end? And that was it. Thanks for coming. And they came to hear him preach that night. I don't know how God has used that in Barry Switzer's life. But I know that Jason said, I'll never forget it. What a great question. You know, as a, as a, as a follower of Christ, we're going to stand before the Lord someday. And, and when, when, when I do, I, I want to I, I meet him with a life that is right in the middle of his will. See, that's what the church is supposed to do. Help one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds. And that's what Paul's saying to the Philippians. That's what God's saying to us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, Is the current trajectory, current path of your life, if you continue on this path, where will you end up? You know, right today, the Lord's in front of us. And we sang this really, really old, good song. Trust him. Trust him. We're going to have an invitation and Joe's going to come out and, and, and we're going to sing that song, Trust Him. Would you trust Him now? Would you trust Him with the way you're living? Would you trust Him with your life?